Well, good morning. Great to have you guys here. We are closing out a series today uh, called Living Proof. Living Proof. As God puts his thumbprint on our soul, uh, what's it look like? And uh, we've been walking through the book of Philippians as Paul challenged the church at Philippi. Uh, so we've been taking on those challenges. And in fact, today, as we close out, uh, to live contentedly, uh, like no matter what's going on, I'm content. Really? Wow, that's all. Okay. Well, I kind of have that one down to him. I'm good. And, and really, isn't that kind of a huge request? No matter what's going on, content. And that's the challenge for today. May we grasp that from the scripture. So turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And we'll get started there. Philippians 4, 10. We got ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Be patient. They'll get one to you. All right. Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. And uh, we'll be walking verse by verse through this. So. Get a Bible there, okay? Philippians 4, 10. How in the world do I live contentedly? So uh, first step, in every circumstance, depend on his strength, not your own. Uh, In every circumstance, depend on his strength, not your own. That's how uh, to step out and live contentedly, at least the first step. So... See what Paul has written here, starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger Abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right? Great challenge passage. And just so you know, there are two verses in this passage today, the whole passage we're going to be looking at. So we'll do one for each point uh, that, in fact, is completely misused by most Christians. All right? And so we're going to be really careful about it. We're going to be very clear to it. And uh, we'll get to the verse in just a moment in this section. But uh, verses that we misuse can often confuse us to no end. When we're like, God, you said. And he's like, no, I really didn't say that. That's not what was meant at all. And let's make sure we grasp what God is really saying. All right? So here we go. We'll start at verse 10. We'll kind of work our way through. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Rejoice, like to give thankfulness and and to be thankful. Like, God, you're awesome. I so appreciate it. Thanks for what you've done. Rejoicing. It's reviewing, seeing what's good and being thankful. Rejoicing greatly. Now, Now, that's a different beast, right? That's being thankful, but it's like, you just can't stop talking about it. In fact, you have to talk about it with volume. You're like, God, this is awesome. I can't believe what you've done. And please just keep doing it. And that's rejoicing greatly. Okay. Can't say enough about how much God is doing. What was Paul celebrating? Uh, That you've revived your concern for me. Revived your concern for me. Uh, this word revived is actually like a gardening term. Okay. And so it really means like when the perennials, right? Those are the flowers that come back every year, right? Perennials. I had to check this in the nine too. So when the perennials come back each year and they rebloom, that's this, this revive. It's a reblooming. Like you've rebloomed your concern for me and it's awesome to see that at work. And, uh, What's that mean? He tells us just a little bit more here. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, like you had a heart for me, uh, but you did not have opportunity. You had no opportunity. Uh, It means it's not that their heart got cold towards Paul and they're like, enough of giving to that guy. That's not where they were at. They loved Paul. They loved what God was doing through Paul, but opportunity had been run uh, a dry. They basically did not have the means to give. That's what was going on, all right? And so to make sure we grasp this a little more, just to give some context, um, and Paul will talk about it a little bit later in this passage, but to make sure you got it, Paul gives to the Macedonian churches through his time and his talent as he begins to set them up and run them as an apostle. And Philippi, one of those Macedonian churches, gave back hugely financially and physically. Uh, hey, here's some stuff you'll need if you're on the road. Right. And so they gave 
um, from the Macedonian church to Paul. They gave as he went and planted the Macedonian churches, the Thessalonican church, the Bereans, uh, Corinth, just kind continually on and on. They were giving in those early years. All right. And, uh, and then, and then it stopped uh, for about 10 years. It stopped. And, uh, you could guess as to why a good, reasonable guess, second Corinthians eight verses one and two, uh, you don't have to turn there, but it basically says the Macedonian churches were being crushed with poverty. Okay, and so the ability to give was removed because they had nothing to give. They had a heart for it. They just didn't have the stuff for it. They were going through something else at the moment. And God was calling them through a struggle to grow. All right. And so for about 10 years, it appears somewhere right in that time frame, there was no giving from the church at Philippi to Paul. And he's like, but not anymore. You've rebloomed. And, and I love it and I'm celebrating. Why two parts? One is it indicates you haven't lost or forgotten what God's doing. And number two, God has clearly begun to lavish back on and pour some things into your life right now. Love seeing that you're doing well. Love seeing that you can actually share and care around you. And uh, so he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Not that I am speaking of being in need, like hear me, I didn't bring up the give thing so you'd give more. That's not what I'm saying. I'm doing well. And I've learned no matter what the situation to be content. Uh, No matter what the situation, he says, in whatever situation, right? In whatever situation. Say it one more time. In whatever situation. Like whether it be the most awesome plenty pouring in going on or some of the driest moments that might be had physically, whatever the circumstance, I've learned to be content and uh, whatever. So what's the word? Whatever. Yeah. So here's a little symbol for you. Whatever. Right. You see the W? Whatever. And like whatever is going on. And maybe it's the most awesome moment of my job and I just got this huge raise and God's pouring it in and whatever. I'm learning to be content there. You're like, well, that doesn't, that's not very hard. And okay, I just lost my job and whatever, whatever the circumstance. And I just lost some friendship or relationship and, and it's hurting right now and I'm struggling through and whatever. I've learned to be content, whatever. Go ahead. Give me the magic sign. What is it? Whatever. Okay. And so as you're going through your things, as you're going through your stuff, whatever, it's huge for your mindset. And uh, all you high schoolers are like, yeah, I already know that symbol. Right. And, uh, but I'm just telling you, whatever, whatever the circumstance, you can be content in everything. All right. You can be content. In fact, the word content uh, simply means uh, satisfied uh, as I stand. It's a state of satisfaction. I don't need anything from the outside. I'm satisfied right where I'm at. And it's not me alone. I'm so awesome. It's God within me, me and God, and we're good. Anything going on out here, whatever, whatever. That's a state of satisfaction and contentment. Okay. He says he learned to be content. Meaning he didn't have it originally, right? Meaning he had to get there. And just so you know, we can sometimes learn when things are going well. We can. And, but let's be honest. Not often. We really get hung up on me and the stuff and the things and the, we learn best when it goes wrong, when it's hard, when it's tough. When Paul says, I have learned, he's like, I've graduated from the school of hard knocks. I've got an experience degree. And it's trained and shaped me. And I, I thought I'd just read this to you. This comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Uh, what was Paul's life like? What, how did he learn that? Check this out. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Because 40 would kill you. And so they stopped at 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, 
dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Everybody say dangers. And he's learning, right? I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure apart from such external things. Well, there is still the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches who is weak without my being weak, who is led into sin without my intense concern. If I have to boast, I will boast in what pertains to my weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul learning how to be content in everything as he went through some tough, tough experiences and God shaped a soul to be satisfied in God alone, not in all the circumstances around him. All right. He learned, he learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance, whatever. Right. And you're like, well, that's great, Tim. It, uh, be content. Yeah, I really have no clue how to do that. I'm just telling you, it isn't real obvious and I don't know what to do. And, and so let me just say this, how to be content. All right. First of all, here's the trick. Being content, it all depends in what you're longing for. Contentment. In what or who you're longing for. Uh, that's going to define your contentment or your inability to get there. All right. Uh, if it's material possessions you long for. Well, then you may not be content. Uh, if it's health, you may not be content. If it's wealth, you may not be content. If it's a job, you may not be content. If it's a good job, you may not be content. If it's a spouse, well, you may or may not be content. If it's children that you're longing for, you may not be content. If it's children who are doing well, you may not be content. But if it's Christ and his unwavering presence and love and power that you're longing for, you will be content, period. It's all in who you're longing for. Contentment. If you are longing for Christ, longing to know him, longing to be around him, longing for his unwavering presence, love, and power, I'm telling you, you will not be dissatisfied, period. All right? Contentment. It's all about how we're handling the junk of this world as it comes at us and what we're putting as first place. Contentment. All right. That's great. I, I want to long for Christ, Tim. And I'm ready to do that. And, and um, how? how? How do I do that? I'm saying I want to do that and it's not happening. Or, or I try and it fails after a couple of weeks. And what do I do? And... All right, so three steps to longing for Christ. Three steps to longing for Christ. And I'm just telling you, this comes right out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I didn't make this up. This is just God's words on what we should be doing. Longing for Christ, all right? So the first step, know Him. Know Him. Not about Him. Not facts about Him. Not, I could tell you uh, five different things Jesus said or, or whatever. Not, not that stuff. Know Him. Him. Those things might help you know him, but you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a time where you are spending with him, where it's you and him alone. And you're hearing from him and you're letting him move you and talk to you where your soul is literally saying, okay, Lord, I'm quiet and I want to hear from you. I'm not talking about those devotions where you get done and you check the box and you're like, I spent a little time in the word. I, I read five verses or 50 verses or whatever your thing is. And, and you got done and you're like, info came in, check the box. And, and like, I'm quick. And I, I even threw a prayer out there and I, and I talked to him a little bit. I told him some things I was thinking and I got out of there. Have you heard from him? Knowing him. I'm talking about power time in the word where when you're done, you have one goal to be able to answer this question. God, what is it that you're challenging me with and saying to me, Lord, you and me. And there's a point where you are literally saying to him as you talk with him, I hear you. All right, I'm on that. Or, or I'm with you on that. Thank you for that. 
There's a communication going on where you are listening to him. You are knowing him. His person, his desires, his character are stunning you as you spend some time in the word and time alone. That's knowing him. All right. That's what we're going after. So that's step one. Know him. In fact, here's a verse for you. Hebrews 12, two, that'll back it up. Uh, know him. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Right. The author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Spend some time gazing at him, talking with him, interacting with him. Know him. Uh, Second step, know his power. Know his power. See God move and be stunned by it. You've got to be able to see God at work in your life, in your family's life, in friends' lives, at work, wherever. God at work. You have to be able to see him moving, his power shaping and changing. How does that happen? It doesn't happen unless you're praying. It doesn't happen. Two reasons. One, because you're not even asking. You don't even know what to expect. There is no requesting and then stunned with what the answer was. That didn't even happen. You never talked to him. And secondly, because as you interact with him, it calms your heart. We just learned this last week, right? A peace of God that overtakes you and you learn from him in the midst. All right. Another verse to go along with it. Uh, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Now unto him who is able to do far more than I could ever ask or think. Like do some asking, do some thinking, and then check out the answer. You're going to be stunned with the power of God at work in your life. All right. You want to long for Jesus Christ first? Spend some time with him. Know him. Hear from him. Be rocked by him. It'll bring you to tears, man. When you see the God of the universe move in this place. Move in you. Like never before. Know him. Know his power. And then the last one. uh, Know his struggles. Did you know that? That no pain, no gain is actually a biblical phrase. Right? Uh, Know his struggles. Uh, wrestling with the same stuff that Christ was wrestling with of sorts and being shaped and changed as God brings some things your way that'll show you you need to let go of that and no more of that and grab onto this and it's time to be growing in me and growth comes through some of those struggles. Know his struggles. Uh, in fact, uh, here's a verse to tie it. Second Corinthians four seventeen. Uh, he says, for this light... And momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And I love that statement. For this light and momentary affliction. Light and momentary. This is Paul. He's like shaking his fist at Satan in this broken world. And he's like, light and momentary. 80 years compared to 80 billion? Nothing. Light and momentary affliction. Bring what you will. I stand by my God and he will rock my world and I will be changed. You bring your junk and I'm going to get closer to my God. Light and momentary affliction. Nothing. My God is changing me. That's where I stand. And by the way, that change, it lasts for eternity. Beyond all comparison as I stand by my God. This is a formidable being worshiping Jesus Christ because he knows him and he knows his power and he is willing to walk through pain that his God might be glorified. Now that's going to rock your world, cause you to long for Christ, maybe like never before. Spend some time with your king and hear from him. What's God got to say to you? What struggle are you wrestling with where you'd like to label it in the please change that category? Maybe it's time to say, bring it on. I'm willing to lean in with that God and I want to hear from you. Change me for your honor and glory. All right? That's longing. That's contented no matter what. You have those things going. It does not matter what comes circumstantially. You will be good. All right? And uh, 
He says right after it, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Uh, I absolutely have grasped the giving and the muchness and the it's pouring all over the place, man. And it's kind of a these phrases are phrases that are used sort of like a river as it ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? Uh, Somewhat like the creek in our backyard on Friday afternoon in Morton. Uh, when that thing came down, we had a typhoon that hit there, man. It was like a, an hour long, a couple inches, uh, 60 mile an hour winds. I don't have a gauge. I just guessed that. But huge winds blowing. And all of a sudden, we had an eight foot creek in our backyard. No joke. Water flowing the wrong way upstream. Eight feet. And I'm looking down and the little creek that all of the water in Morton pours into has now spilled over into our yard and is pouring back upstream. And we're looking at it. We had guests over at the house and we're all standing in the kitchen watching it. Oh, that would be called plenty. Filled up, overflowing and moving this direction. No kidding. Uh, we got done grilling. Everything kind of calmed down. And so I grilled outside and, and uh, in between rains. And we jumped back inside and ate. And by the time we were done eating, gone. All eight feet of water, done, done and gone, run away, back into wherever it goes. I don't know the magic that happened there. And it's gone. And our backyard is back to grass again. And uh, that's what he's talking about here. There are days where plenty gets flowing into your life and then it that fast is gone and we need to be able to stand there content regardless and saying, God, just you, that's where I'm at. Just you. All right. He says uh, in any and every circumstance, I've learned to face these things. Here comes the magic verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Have you heard that quoted? I can do all things. I got this calculus exam, haven't gone to class at all, all year, didn't even study, going in, Lord, I can do all things, help me ace it, right? And uh, probably not going to happen, okay? God likes to draw us along the way and call us to effort, all right? And I can do all things, probably not that, or, or my basketball went underneath the car, need to get it out, I'm going to lift the car up, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, get the ball. Is, is that what this verse is saying? That I can do all... Is this talking about physical prowess? Is this talking about uh, unex, inexplicable mental capabilities? Is that what this is talking about? Man, this thing gets quoted all the time to be able to say, I can do all, and, and somehow throws it everywhere. Remember, the context is circumstances and contentment. I can do all things. I can be content no matter what the circumstance that's what he's talking about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content no matter which way the wind is blowing because of the God I know I can do all things. The call to do all things is a call to be content regardless of what you're facing. That's the call of this verse. And notice it doesn't say I can do all things because I'm awesome. Right? It says I can do all things because it's his strength strengthening me. Pouring into me and giving me an ability and a skill set that never were there before and strengthening me. I just wrote these words down. Uh, it means endurance is being given to you. It means a patience or persistence is being had. It means you'll have a focus and maybe a purity like never before. When he's strengthening you, he's putting your mind at ease. He's giving your heart a place to be looking to. And a strength coming from God himself as you're able to just consider knowing him, knowing his power, and knowing his struggles in the midst of the circumstance. God, help me as I wrestle with that, right? How often we don't go to our God. And uh, that's our problem. We're missing out on his strength and knowing him personally. So uh, there was a woman, uh, she worked for a textile factory, you know, where they use like the yarns and the string and they make things out of it, right? And so she was working their first day and they said, hey, if you ever get into a problem where the string gets caught in the machine, go get the foreman, right? And, uh, and so she's working there a couple of hours, sure enough, string gets caught and she's like, oh, 
nobody else has gone to get help and I feel stupid. And so she's trying to figure it out herself first. I'll just try a little bit. And she tries to get it and, and it gets worse, you know, like, oh, I better not do this anymore. So now she goes and gets the foreman and she's like, I need some help. And he comes over and he's like, all right, no problem. Let's get this undone. He gets over there and, and he's like, wow, that is really tangled. And she's like, I did the best I could. Like I was trying to untangle it and figure out what was wrong and I couldn't get it any further. That's why I came and got you. He said, now, now listen, you didn't do the best you could. The best you could was come and get the foreman right away. You tried to fix it yourself. And then you came and got the foreman. That is less than okay. Just come and get me from now on. Do you understand? Oh, I understand. Right. And uh, how often is that like you and me and our problems of life? And we're like, don't worry, God, I got this one. I got it. And like we're dinging around over here and it gets a lot worse. And we're like, oh, foreman, right? And that's our prayer time. Uh, Foreman, need your help now. It was bad. Now it's worse. Need your help. And could you, could you do some things here? And and then God's got to like clean up, clean up on aisle nine, please. Right. And that's our lives is that's not what we're called to do. It's called the foreman first. It's spend time with your king and be strengthened by your God and know him. And know his power and know his struggles. And it's you and him together from beginning to end, not just at the end. And may God have his way in your soul as he works with you and walks you through that. That's what it looks like. All right. So simple question. Um, what's your circumstance? What is it you're wrestling with or struggling with? What is it's going on that's got you a little uneasy? It may even make you want to shift in your chair a little bit as you think about it and It's time to put that at the foot of the cross and call for his help. It's time to know him personally and passionately in the midst of the circumstance. Say, okay, God, I want to hear from you on this. What do I need to know? What do I need to know about you? What do you want to do in me? Lord, help me be content even if the circumstance does not change. May I know you better and richer and deeper. And may that be all that changes. And from there, we'll see what happens. Are you ready to hand it over to him? To put it in his hands, not yours. That's our cause. First, to trust him and his strength in your life. That's where the contentment's at, all right? Second, trust God to care for you and be willing to care for others. Trust God to care for you and be willing to care for others. Uh, get involved, get engaged, right? Trust God to care for you. And so notice what he says here. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me to help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He's saying, I just love your giving and you're continually giving. You're repeatedly giving. Thank you for how you care for me. And uh, it's kind of you. And uh, thank you for being the only church. Do you see that? Except for you, no other church was giving. And uh, the church at Philippi had the giving thing going on. Hey, here's a challenge. May we be this church today now. May we see the needs in a community. May we see the needs internationally. May we see the needs even within our own body and rally and care for those needs. May we long for God to show us how to care and who to be caring for. And may we be on that right then and there. That's what this church was. And uh, what a blessing and a, um, an honor for Paul to be serving with them. You know, I uh, just want to say so appreciate how so many of you cared this last week as we threw up a, hey, a tornado relief for Oklahoma, right? And we were doing a little bit there. We had uh, over 30 people show up on Monday, Memorial Day, uh, to go over and work at Midwest Food Bank between the total that showed up there. And, and uh, just cool to see them working together and striving together and laughing together and getting things done to be able to help some people uh, in another state. 
And uh, that was just the impact groups that showed up to help. And then all of you that brought in food and paper products and uh, health products. And I mean, it was stacked in the vestibule. We had it almost spilling over. We took uh, one of the small trailers and it filled to the front. And we've got even more that has been brought in now. And and uh, if you bought your stuff and you didn't get it to us, uh, feel free to still drop that off. We're going to take another run over there on Tuesday with some, some of the things that are left. But I just want to say thank you for participating in caring for people that you don't know, but a hurt you know is going on. As we rally together with Salvation Army and the Salvation Army Church, that's a part of getting some things out there and and, uh, just caring in the moment for physical needs that God might be honored. Uh, Great job. That's what it's all about, is caring, okay? And uh, as Paul says, that's so kind of you. Same statement. That's kind of you. Have that heart about you that looks to help others. Um, He says, it's not that I might get a gift, like I've already told you, I'm good when, when, no matter what happens. Do whatever, gift or not, I'm going to be content. It's not to get a gift, but hear me, it's that you might have the increase of credit. Uh, that's actually a financial term. He's like, so that you can get some interest on your reward, man. It's like there's something and now there's something more than something. It's like you put it in the bank and you're getting some great interest on it. That's the phrasing he's using for here. I'm excited for you that you're growing. And that God's making a difference in your lives. And you are more mature today than you were yesterday. And there's a benefit coming to you and a reward coming to you. And it's awesome how that's being done in your lives. And having helped plant the church, I'm so happy to see you grow. That's what Paul's saying, all right? And uh, then he uses another financial term here. I have received full payment and more. So again, like the debt due, it's paid, and even more. This is like, I met Chili's and the bill is $18, and uh, I'm just going to give them 30 Just give them 30 right? Or, or I'm at Walmart, and, and the bill is $92 for groceries. And I'm like, here's 130 just have it. And the woman's like, he has paid the bill and more, right? That's what this is. It's full payment, and even then some, and... and uh, by the way, speaking of Walmart, if you're going to be at Walmart, get ready to meet some people from Harvest Bible Chapel. You know what I'm saying? You people are all over Walmart, man. Like every time we decide to go to Walmart, we're like, uh, plan a little extra time. You know, we're going to run into some Harvest people and it's going to be some good meeting time. You know what I mean? And uh, full payment and more. Uh, thank you, God, for pouring into people and having them lavish out. Paul's like, you have covered every need I have and even then some. You are covering everything and it's awesome. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. I'm well supplied. And uh, what an awesome opportunity. You know, I just want to say this here. Um, we so appreciate your support as a family. You have supported us and prayed for us. And these last couple months have been a wild ride. And, and uh, you know, we had a surgery back in February to remove a tumor and back at it within a month. And uh, can you believe that's been three months ago now? Three months ago. So uh, tomorrow we're on our way up to Mayo and uh, we're just getting some of those. Uh, we're doing an MRI checkup and blood work just to see where we're at. So that's going on this week for us. Kind of the whatever, right? We're content, whatever. And uh, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but we're good no matter what. Uh, we're worshiping God. We'll see what he's got in store. And, and uh, we just appreciate your prayer and support along the way with all of it. And uh, that's a bit of where we're headed this week as we drive up today and get some testing done tomorrow and we'll see what we find. And, and uh Hey, God does some awesome things and he does it through a body that rallies around each other. And we so appreciate the support as you've rallied around us. And um, there's so many in this body who have been cared for so well. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep it up. It is an indication of God's work in your life. It is. Uh, Let him speak to you huge. Uh, What's it look like when God speaks? He's got three different phrases here. uh, And they're all Old Testament phrases. Uh, A fragrant offering... A sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So a fragrant offering, this is like with the burnt offering, with the animal being burned on the altar for sin and that that smell going up to God Almighty as he recognizes his people saying, we love you and we want to be forgiven. And, and, and it's a smell of heart before God right. It's a fragrant offering. And some of us are like, Seriously? Like an animal burning on an altar. Fragrant. 
I'm not sure I can live that out right now. I can't exactly experience. Okay, let me put it in other phrases for you then. Imagine this. Uh, it's fall and you can smell the burning leaves and you're driving along and you're like, I'm rolling down the window. I want to catch more of that. I love the smell of it. It's the fall and the weather's getting crisp and it means football and it means deer hunting. And I can't wait. And right, these smells that bring back an amazing reminder of what's going on. That's what this is. He's like, it's a reminder before God that sins are covered. Hearts are right. God is being worshipped. It's a fragrant offering. Trust me. It's an awesome celebration. And in fact, it says a sacrifice acceptable. A sacrifice acceptable. Meaning God was good with where their heart was when they gave it. God was good with where their heart was when they gave it. Okay. Uh, Did you know that when you're giving, you are always worshipping? Always. And... uh, Some of you are like, "Mm, no, and I don't know if I agree with that. Okay, check this though. Always worshiping. It's just a question of who. If I'm giving and I'm like, I need you to know what I gave. I'm bringing food for tornado relief. I brought it on Sunday morning. In front of everybody, I walked in with the biggest pack I could. And I'm bringing it in with a truck. I'm like, bring it in. This is Tim Harkness' gift. Then I'm loading it up, right? And I I want you to, do you see how I give? Right? Who am I worshiping? Me. Myself, right? I'm worshiping me. And be careful. You're always worshiping when you give. question is who? Are you ready to worship your God and set you aside? And this is a sacrifice acceptable, meaning their worship was dead on. Christ getting everything he deserved. They were about first fruits giving to him, saying, Lord, you've given to me and you own it all. And and I'll give back of the first fruits to you, saying, thank you for what you've done. And if you want even over and above with offerings and gifts, great, I'll pour it in. And and that's what we talk about around here, right? And And when we talk about tithing, Uh, Hear me, you're not going to find that word in the New Testament where they're talking the mandatory 10% giving. That's an Old Testament view towards law. But I'll tell you this, when God was like, hey, here's a recommendation on what to give, he chose 10%. And so you may want to be considering first fruits giving and what that looks like from Old Testament model and giving from a heart that's cheerful and excited. Have you heard us? Sometimes we do clapping for the offering, right? And, And we do that for a reason. We're worshiping him. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to give back. It's all yours. And, and I'm giving from my first fruits to you. And uh, thank you for giving. I got to tell you, this body is a joy to be working with. Your, your worship is on fire in that area. The giving is great. And, and uh, God's blessing. And uh, it's a sweet gift. And some of you are like, it ain't me, dude. I ain't giving. And uh, that's going to the guy behind me, I think. And okay, then, then maybe today's the day to start saying, Lord, may my worship include my wallet. And uh, Lord, I'm ready to be able to start saying, you're my God. And and I want to be able to give to you in a huge way. All right. So a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. A worshipful heart is so pleasing to God. It's an amazing privilege to give to him. And um, so we go on here. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, this is that next verse. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Uh, really? So like no Christian should ever have a need. Is that what this means? That's how it gets quoted, right? Uh, my God will supply my every need. Do you hear what I just did? I dropped a word off of that. My God will supply There's actually a first word on that sentence. What's the first word of the sentence? And my God will supply. It's connected to what was going on before it. We like to handily drop that, right? And then we start walking around with God and we're like, you promised to to fill my every need. And, And he's like, no, I didn't. Read the first word too. It says, and my God will supply. Why is that a big difference? Because the words before it set up a circumstance that's going on of a giving heart, lavishing out to God with right focus. And in the midst of that, he's pouring back in and filling a need created by that specific giving that took place. Are you hearing that? It's rewarding a need created by giving huge. And uh, that's a big deal. 
It's, um, now be careful. If you're not careful, you're going to fall into a health, wealth, and prosperity thing. Like, I'm going to give so I can get. And uh, so how do we corner this thing and make sure we don't fall there? All right, here we go. Three things we need to know about this verse if we're going to interpret it correctly. All right. Number one. The and is really important. And so we got to follow what and means. It means if your eyes are on your God, not your gain, then this verse can apply. Eyes are on your God, not your gain. If it's all about what can I get, well, then it's going to mess you up. You're not getting anywhere. Okay. James 4.1. If you ask a miss that you might consume it on your own lusts, it's going to get the no answer, right? And so if your eyes are on your God, now you're in the spot the church was at Philippi. Okay. Number two, you give when you have opportunity. Uh, that was the word used in verse 10. It means two parts to it. When you have opportunity, it means you can see a need around you. You see the need clearly, but it also means you have the ability to give to it. You have something to give there. That's opportunity. God giving you something you can give and showing you where to give it. That's opportunity. All right. So if your hearts are on fire for God and you have opportunity, both the ability to give, the means to give, and seeing a place to give, and then the third piece, uh, then God stirs you to give. Big deal, right? Uh, it's not that we need to give to every single thing that ever existed to mankind anywhere and everywhere. God might call you very specifically to some area. That's okay. And may God stir there. This is a subjective call on that one. You are going to have to have a relationship where you know him. Okay, that's going to be a big deal. So your eyes are on your God. You have some opportunity. God is stirring. Time to give. And this verse guarantees then that the need that's been created by the giving, God will backflow with his awesomeness. Okay, that is what it says. Uh, I have wrestled with this verse for hours this week. (laughs) And I'm just telling you, that is what it says. And so you can't outgive God. Have you heard that phrase? Makes me cringe. Uh, you can't. Uh, God owns everything. It would be kind of hard to outgive that guy. You know what I mean? He owns everything. But let me tell you, there are times that he gives. There are hearts that he gives to. There are moments that he gives in. And if we believe that as he's pouring into a situation that he will create where there's never a struggle, man, you got a lot of other scripture passages that don't align with that, Right? So this has to be very closely tied to the fact that they gave out of opportunity. It created a need locally and God will fulfill that need. That's what's going on. It's a very gracious giving back in by God Almighty to a people with a giving heart in that moment as they lavished in as God called them to. And if God's calling you to that, great. Be careful. He uh, may or may not be. So make sure you're hearing them. Just because it's a need doesn't mean it's calling every single person to be on that need. And and pour into this. You might find this. That as you pour in with something, God pours in in a different way. It's not like I gave money, so he gave money. It's God's pouring in spiritually and physically. And he's pouring in and covering and and what's really a need in the end. Those things that are going to get you closer to him and in a relationship with him. That's the definition of need. So walk carefully on this verse. Be cautious to align it with other verses. Make sure you understand the whole of this passage and that he is calling to lavish giving, hilarious giving with a heart towards God that's on fire. And at the same time, then you can expect that he's going to pour back in and fill need, not want. And and watch God work on that. Um, I probably have 30 more years of learning in this verse. You hear me? This is not a clear, like, oh, this is easy. Just do it this way. And and I'm excited about what it might mean. And I'm excited to be able to see God do some things. And I'm also wanting to make sure that we very carefully understand that knowing Christ in his struggle is a part of our call. And if this verse just became, I don't have to have any struggle, boy, did we miss it. Okay? So be really careful in letting those two play together and how God's working this all out. All right? Enough said. Wow. Um, he closes right after that with a statement of celebration and doxology, which I love at the end of Philippians. Uh, he says, according to his riches in glory, not from his riches. That would mean like God has a lot of money. He gave you a little bit. Okay. It's not that it's according to 
Like he has all this. And from the all this, he's going to lavish kind of an all lavish unto you. He's going to pour it in in so many ways. According to his riches, he's pouring in. Not from his riches, but like because he has that much, that's the kind of amount he can be pouring in. Our God lavishes into our life in so many ways. It starts with the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross. And if we demand more than that and say, I have more need than that, I'm kind of amazed. Do you hear me wrestling with this for the next 30 years? But I'm telling you, if the cross is not enough, what are we saying? Let's be really careful how we tie it together. According to his riches. According to his riches in Christ Jesus. And uh, he says, now let's get on the glory thing. Um, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. To our God and Father. Family. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. May everything we do, may everything we say always reflect back to our God and glorifying him. Lord, may all of these commitments that we've taken this whole time be always worshiping and celebrating you. Thank you for who you are. And then he closes with the word, so be it, right? So be it. Amen. That's what it means. And I love this. The last two verses are like cleanup crew kind of statement. He's like, uh, hey, greet every saint in Christ Jesus and the brothers who are with you greet you as well. And uh, so saints, I've said this before, but we all, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, saint, because you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, saint. Okay. It's not how good are you? That's a mistake that a number of churches are making where they're trying to name a guy saint because how good his efforts are. And. Not what's being done. Saint, because Christ's righteousness on us, and we all have that. We're all saints and, uh, and brothers. We're family, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you trust him as your savior, you got a huge family. Some weird people in that family sometimes, but you got a huge family. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Lord, thank you for this family that you've given us. Notice it says, greet them. It's biblical to greet one another. Have you noticed how like right before the offering, we say, hey, can you turn and greet those around you? Say hello, get to know them a little bit, hear a name, catch what's happening there, right? So you're catching the storyline of what's happening. And, and maybe you even have learned a new name. They've just moved into the area, row number three. And, and they're right by you and you can shake hands and get to know them a little better. You're probably going to see them at Walmart. So you might want to ask a name. You know what I'm saying? And get to know them and greet one another. It's Friendly and relational. And then this is typical, Paul. All the saints greet you, especially those at Caesar's household. I love the statement. And uh, I got to believe the people reading the letter just started chuckling. Because Paul's like, just so you know, I'm in prison in Caesar's house. And so people are saved. And they're sending you greeting. That's how God's working through your gift. Are you kidding me? He's giving so huge that now I've got Gentiles in Caesar's house saying, hey, how do we worship Jesus all the more? And can you tell the people in Philippi, praise to you. Thanks for helping out and God bless you. And that's Paul saying God's at work and, and the church at Philippi going, that Paul. Right? That's what's going on. Just constantly sharing Christ and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The book of Philippians. And that's a lot to take in. That's a lot of stuff to be working on. And uh, so I thought maybe a good way to close it is just put our arms around the four chapters of Philippians. Uh, What does it look like to get our arms around it? So here we go. You ready? Uh, Christ alone. Uh, Christ always. Not just when you're at church on Sunday, when it sounds good to put the name Jesus on your lips, but like all week long, Christ alone. And uh, so each day when you wake up, here's a plan from Philippians. Awake thinking and thanking God as your king. Right? That's the first part of Philippians 1. Live prayerfully. Thinking and thanking. I rejoice in what you're doing. And, and I'm talking to you and praying to you, my God. I want to know him personally. And I want to know your power and spend time in prayer. And then um, thankfully review all that he's doing with you. Next step. Uh, to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's your battle cry as you get dressed and get ready to go out. To live is Christ. To die is gain. All for you today, Jesus. What do you need to see done? 
May it never be a distraction that makes it all about me. Always you. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Here we go, right? Next step. Throughout the day, Lord, please remind me of how humble you are. And may I model that humbleness myself, humility. Uh, that's Philippians chapter 2 and Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us and his humbling himself and becoming a man. Lord, help me to grasp that humility as I live for you. Um, seek to shine in this dark and twisted world and to encourage those around you. Be a light. Be a light as you're running into other believers around you and even unbelievers who aren't grasping who he is. Um, when you are challenged with sin, remember this. You are clothed with his righteousness if you trust in him as your savior. Clothed with his righteousness, not your own. Whatever it is you have of a business card or a resume, set it down, set it aside. You're not going to live that. You're living his resume. My God is awesome. That's who Jesus Christ is. And I worship and celebrate him. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation so rich and free. Then I turn and press on. Forgetting what's behind, straining for what's ahead, always wanting you glorified in my life as you change my heart to be more like yours, Lord. Press on in me that I might be more like you. As you're doing that, get along. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything. Get along with those relationships in your life. Uh, Clean up what needs to be cleaned up. Praying always. And thinking on the things of God's character. Right? It's low control, high trust. Pressing on. Not being anxious. And then today, in every single circumstance, whatever. Because I got a God who's unbelievable. And you need to meet him. And I need to live more for him. And you bring it on, God. Light and momentary affliction. No matter what it is. Whatever. I'm ready to worship you with all I have. You're my king. May it all be about our Christ. Amen. That's what it's all about. Christ and Christ alone. May we worship him with all we have. May we celebrate him with all we've got. May our God get our everything. You will have a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You will have a contentment in the moment. You will have relationships galore. You will have people being stunned by the grandeur of this God who's moving. And that's his plan to call us to press on with him. May we serve our king with all we've got. Let's pray.